0: Life Experienced will begin right after this. Life is made up of experiences. Experiences shape our perspectives and allow us to pass along knowledge. In this podcast, I sit down with listeners like you and find out that no matter who you are, everyone has a story to tell. I'm Ethan Smith. And this is Life Experienced.
1: In high school, I had a very clear dream and vision of law enforcement to be a police officer. And that was, it was long-term. I could see the beginning, the middle, and ultimately retiring. I mean, I was very set on a lifelong career as a police officer. Um, I think that kid, Caitlin, so that 15-year-old, 16-year-old, would be excited to know that I did that for a season, that I was a police officer for five years. But I think that Caitlin would have a hard time probably understanding how my career could have taken such a strong pivot and such a new direction that now I can tell is the career that's going to be here to stay.
0: That was Caitlin Skaggs. I sat down with Caitlin to talk about her career, which took an interesting turn not long ago. But before we get to her current job, I wanted to know more about her motivations and aspirations to be a law enforcement officer. Caitlin said it started in high school when she discovered that she could get involved with police work even at that age.
1: Looking back, I also realized I was that annoying student that would not leave the school resource officer alone, so I feel bad for him. Anytime he showed up in my vicinity, I would just you know, immediately flocked him, hey, I have some questions. I, I had so many questions. And I, uh, I talked to him enough that at some point he casually mentioned that was a thing they do.
0: The thing here she's referring to is when local police send in underage individuals to buy alcohol from liquor stores in order to enforce ID practices.
1: And of course, in my brain, I'm like, okay, so this means you have to be under 21 to do it. I'm under 21 and wait, so I can do this. It was so clear to me that I am so well suited for this job. I wanna be a cop and I'm under 21. I have met all the criteria, sign me up. So I had to my parents had to sign a waiver because I wasn't 18 yet and we went down to the PD and I remember them taking pictures to document me as an informant, which sounds so hardcore, <laughs> but truly, I went into local stores and attempted to purchase alcoholic products without ID. Uh, I did not lie. I did not claim to be any age other than what I was. I just tried to go through the process without showing identification. If they questioned it, uh, I told them my real birthday, and some of them still sold to me, even though my real birthday reflected being 16. Um, but from that experience, I gained a lot of camaraderie with the local police department. I, of course, was able to ask all sorts of questions in between the convenience stores and just get a sense of what does it feel like to be a police officer in terms of the relational component of, you know, the you hear of the thin blue line and your brothers and sisters in blue. And I was able to see that amongst them, that they would just give each other such a hard time and pick. And but you could always tell it was in the spirit of. Um, love and support, and uh, and that also made law enforcement more attractive to me. Just seeing that there's that reality. Caitlin's
0: next step was to pursue a degree in criminal justice. As an undergraduate, she interned in the behavioral analysis unit of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which allowed her to easily obtain a position as a police officer when she graduated. Caitlin describes some of the most common occurrences while she was an officer. So what what was a typical day in the life when you were a police officer? I
1: think, I think <laughs> if that, there is such no, a thing. No, yeah, I was going to say I think the only <laughs> typical thing was that you just never knew what was going to happen. There were some nights that were so boring that I remember just I worked midnight shift. So there were some nights that were so boring it was a struggle to stay awake and you know just meeting up with other officers to try to keep each other awake and of course if you're not not doing well, staying awake, you're not safe. So there was that element of safety. Um, But then I think just the unpredictable nature that you could go from writing a very benign traffic ticket on a traffic stop to the tones going off for an emergency for a domestic with weapon or some kind of traffic fatality. Um, The worst would be if an officer hit their button and, um, Essentially, that's a I-need-someone-yesterday kind of call, so just that always trying to listen, so much stimulation between the radio, the computer in the car that you can see call notes um, running through, trying to watch traffic around you, watch other vehicles, especially as a midnight officer, of course, always considering that many other drivers could be intoxicated, knowing where all your brothers and sisters in blue are at all times in case they need backup. There was just a lot always going on. I just say even on the slow nights, there was still a lot going on. It just Sounds wasn't like it. as intense, maybe. Um, so and, you know, there were other things mixed. Answering calls, uh, traffic and then warrant service. There's just and then, of course, you have to document all that. So then communications and writing right. was the the follow up piece, maybe the less thrilling piece that never seems to make the police tv shows but is very much a reality is documentation and report writing
0: after five years of working in law enforcement caitlin realized that her dream of a lifelong career as an officer was not what she wanted anymore you did that you said for five years yes okay so what was it that made you decide to look elsewhere motherhood okay
1: yeah it was a very clear pivot that as soon as um, we were expecting our first child, I could feel something fundamentally shift within me that this career I thought I was so passionate about where I could see the beginning, the middle, and even the end. I just knew that it no longer made sense. Um, The type of mom and the type of engagement I wanted as a mother was mutually exclusive with the type of schedule that a police officer has. So you have to consider that for every ticket written, for every arrest made, there is a day in court. And the day in court doesn't happen in the middle of the night when you're patrolling the streets. It happens um, when you should be sleeping and it happens when you should be home with your family. And that's one of the tremendous aspects of law enforcement in terms of sacrifice that I don't think the general public considers is there's a lot of time spent away from home when it's not the heat of the moment, but it's in follow-up to the heat of the moment. And so being very painfully aware of what that meant in terms of I would stay in Roanoke, even though I did not live in Roanoke, I would stay at my sister's apartment in Roanoke after shifts before coming home so I was not seeing my husband because I had so much court that it didn't make sense to commute back home and just that idea is like I'm not gonna do this as a mother I want to be there in the middle of the night when they wake up with a bad dream and I want to be the first face they see in the morning when they wake up and it was just not something that I was willing to sacrifice as a mother so it, my priorities were being forced um, out of whack and I just wasn't okay with that and so then it was the painful process of saying okay so uh law enforcement which was going to be everything w- well what else is there yeah,
0: so what what was your thought process like what kinds of avenues did you explore and what did you look for to do next
1: it's funny i think i went through an initial phase of panic and i remember thinking like i'll take anything i don't really care what it is i'll make something work and then figure it out and so there was that initial period where I'm thankful it didn't work out because I think I would have sold myself short if I truly went into this, I'll take anything desperation. Um, But coincidentally, what ended up happening is my father's high-tech testing lab, they're a polymer analysis company, they had an opening for a marketing position and it's so funny because his reaction when I was mentioned as a candidate was can she even write so he was not gonna let me off the hook I had to prove myself there were a lot of uh, resources I read self-education and then just that reflection period of what can I bring from law enforcement to a high-tech testing lab in a marketing role that makes sense and people think it's so Apples and oranges, but I see so many connection points and so much connectivity between what it took for me to be a successful and safe police officer and what it took for me to be an effective marketing and communications professional. So to me, the line, the, the connections are very clear, Yeah. although I know to most people they're not.
0: The idea of overlap between law enforcement and marketing is something Caitlin is passionate about. In fact, she participated in a TEDx event last year where she took the stage to talk about making the transition from law enforcement to marketing and the concepts that the two jobs have in common. I would encourage you, if you'd like to hear more, to listen to that TEDx talk, and you can do so on lifeexperienced.org by searching TEDx or the title of this podcast episode. The marketing role she transitioned into was at Polymer Solutions, an analytical testing laboratory that listeners may recognize from Episode 5 of this podcast. As it turns out, Caitlin was a natural when it came to marketing, which led to her next major career decision. So at the same time that you were doing the marketing role for Polymer Solutions, you were also kind of foraying into things on the side. Is that an accurate description? That is.
1: (laughs) Um, I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I never meant to have a business, never meant to have a company, never meant to hire employees. Um, so as I was at Polymer Solutions, I had a couple of really like big peaks in my career in terms of local recognition. One was when LinkedIn came to this area for a live—they called it LinkedIn Live—a conference, and at that event, the Polymer Solutions LinkedIn page was called out as a hometown hero, as the best business page in the area, and there were tens of thousands of pages that it was selected from. And so the business community that was present all immediately looked at me because they said, who's here from Polymer? And I had to stand up and I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. So I was completely caught off guard. But I think at that point, I was kind of on the local map as far as someone who is making moves in social media marketing. Uh, additionally, Hootsuite, which is a social media management tool thought leader within social, they put the Polymer Solutions' uh, social efforts on their website as a case study for Small Business Week. So we had these two industry leaders pointing at the work I was doing at Polymer, just really affirming the results we were getting. And that's when people started to ask for coffee and lunch, and let's have a conversation, tell me what you're doing, what is so fundamentally different that you're yielding these results. And then we'd have enough coffee, enough lunch that there had to be some kind of other payment. I mean, I can only eat so many lunches. And it transitioned into just a very casual consulting relationship. There was no business name. Um, It was just a, yeah, it was the most simple of businesses you could have in terms of structure and setup. But then that also transitioned. And I found myself in a position similar to the one I was at in law enforcement, where I realized this type of schedule, this type of work pace and lifestyle is not, it cannot coexist with having a full-time day job. It's now become mutually exclusive. In my mind, again, I'm very decisive. When I see this kind of tipping point of it is now mutually exclusive with the life that I am imagine and feel called to live as a mother, a clear change was needed. And I say a clear change was made it needed, and I was very decisive about it, but also it took a lot of prep work. So the decision was made in August, and I didn't go full-time with Blue Mobius Marketing, which is what I ultimately named the business, until May of that following year. So there was a prep period, a ramping-up period, and I also gradually weaned out of my role at Polymer because it was the family business after all, and I was a, at that point I was a C-level, so I had a critical role in running the organization and supporting the other C-levels and um, employees that I supervised and also um, coexisted with laterally. So there was definitely a need to pull myself out slowly. Then May 1st of 2017 is when I was all in with my business and that was my full-time employment and sole source of income.
0: Caitlin's company is Blue Mobius Marketing. They offer a variety of services for clients, including web design, social media management, email marketing, and photography. Over the past year and a half, the company has helped a variety of businesses and individuals with their marketing needs. I asked Caitlin to describe a project that she considers to be memorable. Do you have any like favorite projects that you've worked on over the oh, years?
1: Oh, I do have favorites. Um, so Children's Museum of Blacksburg is a clear favorite, and it's one that we talk about a lot. I loved it because it was an opportunity not only to do a rebrand, but we also got to help with a naming project. And that was so fun. There was so much creative tension. And I just you could just feel the frustration around. We're not there yet. We had a name that we thought was kind of the name, but we could also tell that gut instinct of it's just not right yet. We could tell we weren't there. And it was it felt 11th hour before we were all willing to say this isn't right. And we haven't got it. We were done with community focus groups at that point. And then ultimately um, it was just team collaboration that it it just dawned on us how we needed to just make the tiniest pivot and then it was correct. So I think for me, I just get so energized looking back at all the minds, and thoughts and creativity and just that creative angst that was poured into that one project, ultimately resulting in the name Wonder Universe. So it went from Children's Museum of Blacksburg to Wonder Universe, and then the visual brand identity was completely redefined in the process, specifically looking at ways to Um, slide into what we call white space. So where is it not crowded? If everybody is using a primary color palette, what does our color palette look like? That might just be just a little bit of a pivot so we don't look as Crayola as the rest. Or if everybody else is using a place, Children's Museum of Blacksburg, Children's Museum of fill in the blank, we're not going there because that is not white space. That's crowded, it's noisy. And so just the willingness of the client to trust our wisdom, trust our research, and just go with it, oh, that's just the best. It was so fun and getting to work with the community. So I feel like that was a dream engagement. If if people want to throw more of those at us, we (laughs) welcome them. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: In September of 2018, Blue Mobius Marketing was acquired by Joba Design, a company founded by former NFL player, Kevin Jones, which provides a variety of design related services. I asked Caitlin to talk about this transition and how it has impacted her career. And so you've done that for a while, you're still doing that as you speak, but it's under a little bit different. It's different circumstances now.
1: Right. So I feel like my life is nothing but change, but I guess that's all of us. So Blue Mobius, I mentioned, became my full-time um, source of income and employment May 1st, 2017. September 1st, 2018, so 16, 17 months later, we were acquired by a complementary design agency here in Blacksburg. They were the ones we worked on the Children's Museum project with. So I think that's another reason why I love that project so much, because it was our first look at just this powerhouse creative collaboration that is Joba Design paired with Blue Mobius Marketing.
0: And so you've just been able to, has that expanded the range of things you're able to do? Um, Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think it's that, I don't like the word synergy because I think it's so overused, but I'm in the absence of a better word, I will say it's a very synergistic relationship in terms of They bring amazing things to the table, we bring amazing things to the table, but then when we're together, it magnifies anything we could have ever imagined. And the energy amongst the team, the mutual respect, um, when we look at their design work, what their designers do, I guess our designers now, it just blows my mind how they hear things and they turn it into a compelling visual. But then on their side, they're blown away by how our team hears things and then we're able to craft these really just smart and meaningful and authentic narratives to tell the story on the other side. So I think those two things combined, we just feel kind of creatively unstoppable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we've got a really really fun space here. I don't yeah. know if I've ever quite seen an office space like this. It's
1: so. definitely different. It's different when I'm working at my stand-up desk. Right. And all of a sudden I gaze <laughs> out and there's a ping pong meeting happening. Okay. And I say meeting at first, I was like, they just stop and play ping pong and but <laughs> I'll hear them as they're hitting the ball, they're like, Hey, did you do work on that project? Would you end up thinking about the color palette after all? And go, like, oh, I liked it, but I changed the one a little bit and so you can just hear that it's still that creative process, but it's a different different way to occupy space, I guess, while right. going through the process. So it is very interesting. Sometimes I think open concept offices are wonderful and they, I have watched them facilitate great work. And there are sometimes days where you need to just go in a conference room, shut the door and say, I'm in productivity mode. Let me know if you need me. So that's what I've been doing is yeah. I just block off my schedule and go in a conference room if I need quiet mind space. Yeah. So.
0: Now that her business has been acquired, Caitlin said that she is looking forward to what the future holds, whether that's a new adventure in marketing or taking her career in another direction entirely. Given that she's been through so many career transitions already, I asked her for any advice she has to give to others who may be encountering similar life situations. Here's what she had to say. What kind of advice would you give to people who are maybe facing a same si- or a similar kind of crossroads in their lives, and just based on your experience.
1: Um, I think putting in the people work is so important. I had someone at a speaking engagement ask me recently, how are you so lucky? Do you think it's luck? I don't believe in luck. Um, I I believe in blessings, and I believe in putting in work. And so to me, that means spending time with people, having conversations, Um, chatting over coffee, focusing on relationships, because ultimately no matter what job you hold, whether you're working remote or you're in a collaborative office space, you're engaging with other people and you're doing something that ultimately impacts other people, period. And when we lose sight of that, it's when we get ourselves in trouble. When we, when we think it's about the spreadsheet, the data point, the process or the system, we forget that all those things ultimately are serving human beings. And to me, there's nothing of greater value than other people. So when you can focus on um, those connections and you can say, I don't know what the future holds, but I know that if I put people first, the rest will take care of itself. I'm able to just, I'm able to sit back and um, not relax in terms of, I don't, Put in work because I'm still putting in work and seeking opportunities and excitement but I don't have this anxiety or fear of the future because I just know it's going to be great. So I guess one thing that I talk about from time to time that I think is worth bringing up is just this idea of um, I say it and it's going to sound funny and a, like a joke but then let me elaborate. Um, I tell my little girl life's too short not to sparkle and it came as a joke between us kind of she wanted the sparkly boots, she wanted the sparkly shoes, she wanted the shirt with all the glitter. And when she would look at me and say, is it okay, mommy, if I make that choice, I would say life is too short not to sparkle by all means, get the get the sparkly boots. But there came a day where a lot of people asked me questions around, how are you so confident? Or why is it that you pursue things that are hard? Or why do you do the TEDx, even though it makes you feel like you might fail? Or why would you start a business? I can't believe you were so confident, so brave. And I feel like people see me in a way I don't necessarily see myself. I don't see myself as a risk taker. I don't see myself as overly brave, confident, um, none of those things. But I think that I feel very sure about value that I bring and I feel very sure about what I want out of life. And I focus more on that than any kind of, than the challenge before me maybe. I, I see life as it's too short. I am going to sparkle. I'm going to find the thing that makes me come alive and I'm going to pursue it. And I would just encourage other people to keep that in mind, too, is, you know, you are the only you, and the unique gifts and talents you bring to this world no one else can bring. And the unique experiences that have got you to this point today can certainly get you to the next point or encourage the next opportunity. So when you start to feel those voices of doubt, which I have them myself, and those lies bouncing around your head about, you can't, or you shouldn't, or you're not good enough. That's when I remind myself, life is too short not to sparkle. I'm going to choose to sparkle on and pursue it, and you know, do everything I can, put in the work, focus on people, and um, hope the next adventure is as great as the ones I've been able to have thus far.
0: Caitlin will no doubt continue to inspire people with her vision no matter where she goes. I hope her story serves as an inspiration when you're facing tough decisions, and I hope you'll take her advice about valuing people and relationships. Life Experience is hosted and produced by Ethan D. Smith and is primarily distributed via D-Sound, a decentralized audio sharing platform built on the Steam blockchain. For more information, visit dsound.audio. The music in this podcast is composed by Lee Rosevere and used under Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. For more information, visit freemusicarchive.org. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you like the podcast, be sure to share it with others. If you have an interesting experience that you want to share, please let me know by tweeting at EthanDSmith or visiting EthanDsmith.com. And for those of you still here, Caitlin told one particularly interesting story from her time as a police officer.
1: So I I do like to run, but I don't like to get in foot pursuits. And when I was a police officer, there was one and only one time I got in a foot pursuit. And wouldn't you know it, the person I was pursuing was naked as the day they were born. It was so unfortunate. It was so unfortunate. I just happened we had a perimeter set up, and I remember that moment. I mean, it is just so, like, that sober memory of, I remember standing there thinking, if he comes out right now, if he busts through the tree line, I'm going to have to pursue him. And his description is that he's naked. So am I really gonna run after a naked man? And then I'm telling you, it was like out of a movie that right then he popped out of the bushes and I had to chase after him. Uh, Fortunately, there was a canine nearby that immediately came up on the scene. So there was no need for a takedown because he saw the dog and he knew that he was not in a good position to (laughs) contend with a canine. Thanks
0: so much for listening. Once again, if you'd like to hear Caitlin's entire TEDx talk in which she talks more about the things we discussed in this podcast, You may do so by heading over to lifeexperience.org and searching TEDx or looking for the blog post about this episode. If you like the show, don't forget to rate and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts. And remember that you can get the show almost anywhere. You can get podcasts as well as Facebook, YouTube, and DSound. So I'd love to get your follows on Twitter and Facebook, get some feedback on the show. So let me know. And once again, thank you so much for listening. Over the past few months, my wife and I have been able to save some time and money and develop a whole new set of cooking skills. How did we do it? We started subscribing to EveryPlate. EveryPlate is a meal kit delivery service that's different from others you may have heard of because it only costs $5 per serving, which is about half as much as those other meal kits cost. Each meal features a recipe that's made from fresh ingredients and only takes about 30 minutes to make. The box of ingredients and recipe cards are delivered to your door each week, so all that's left for you to do is enjoy making the meals. If you'd also like to sharpen your cooking skills and enjoy recipes you want to make over and over, you can get $20 off your first box from EveryPlate by visiting lifeexperienced.org everyplate. That's lifeexperienced.org everyplate for $20 off your first delivery.